What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we have an absolutely loaded show for you today. Two interviews, and honestly, probably two of the best interviews we've ever done. First is with David Gardner, staff writer at Bleacher Report, and the second is with former Utah wide receiver Derek Vickers. And then after that, we're going to talk a little NFL and NBA news, talk about some trades that have gone down, potential signings, and why one team in the NFL might have won the offseason before free agency even opens up. But first, an interview with David Gardner. We now welcome on Bleacher Report staff writer David Gardner. David, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So you've interviewed a lot of players over the years, a lot of profiles in a lot of different sports, notably Shet Holmgren, Donovan Mitchell, Chicharito, DeAndre Ayton. How, what has that been like to, to be able to cover a lot of guys, um, especially as they've grown to be pretty big stars in their own right? Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things uh, about the job. And especially now, you know, kind of my job is to identify up and coming, especially basketball players and write one of their first major features, really get to know them, what makes them tick, what makes them want to pursue this path that they're on. And so, you know, anytime you do that about someone and then they go on and blow up, it's like really cool. I'm not going to say that I was the first person to discover Chicharito, for example, but, Mm -hmm. you know, like having one of the first stories about DeAndre Ayton is really cool. And then, you know, the most recent story that you referenced there about Paige Beckers. I mean, I think she's going to be a sensation next year at UConn. So really cool to like spend time and see like the last moments of her quote unquote normal life. I mean, that's what the story was about with her was just like, let's see what it's like just to be kind of a normal high school kid who's about to be potentially one of the best women's college basketball players and maybe, you know, a true WNBA star in just a few years and what it's like to live in those last, those waiting moments before, you know, stardom really starts to take effect. And so I really love doing stories like that. That's probably um, the most common story topic that I take on. And it's one that like is endlessly fascinating to me because it's how different people deal with that. You know, it's so interesting. There's so many different ways of approaching what's going to happen. And as your life changes like that. Yeah. So like you said, you, your most recent article was an interview with Paige Beckers, a really good piece. You can check it out on bleachreport.com. Um, I was, I was reading up on it. Really interesting. First off, before we get into her just a little bit, I have to know what was it like traveling to Minnesota in basically the middle of winter? Well, you know, unfortunately, I've been to, I don't want to say unfortunately, maybe you have a huge Minnesota contingent in your audience, but uh, uh, unfortunately for me, who's from Florida and gets cold after about 60 degrees, uh, for me, uh, I've been to Minnesota twice this winter. I went uh, just a couple of months before the page story to do a story on Chet Holmgren, who is a, uh, you know, seven foot unicorn, a junior uh, at uh, Minnehaha Academy, so a different school there in Minnesota. So I've been there twice, um, and definitely uh, I, I took a little time to thaw out, uh, even when I came back to a somewhat less cold New York City. Yeah, I bet your uh, fingers crossed that the next basketball high school phenom is somewhere like, you know, Florida or California, somewhere far away. Uh, but definitely, definitely. Yeah, you're safe. Not not too many. I know of a few Minnesota uh, podcast listeners, but. Uh, none that you should be too concerned about. They won't be coming after you or something like that. But uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, don't worry. We we got your back. We we understand how how it gets. Uh, so what is your process like when you're putting together a feature like this? Because obviously you have to be pretty involved in uh, following them around in their day to day. So what is what does it look like for you when you're putting together a piece like this? Yeah, I mean, for me, what I really ask for um, is time following rather than interview time i i tend to just ask if i can and this goes all the way up from the biggest names to uh you know people who are relatively in the shadows my go-to ask is to spend a few days just kind of following them around being a fly on the wall we don't have to set up a specific like hour-long sit down interview time where i ask you all of your questions it's more just like i want to get to know you by seeing the way that you move about the world and i think that that is more valuable time than just like you know asking questions one two three four five six on your list sometimes it's better to show the answers to those questions than to just write their quotes that are the answers to those questions. So that's my like basic process is I'm just trying to uh, see how much time I can get just kind of hanging around people, being with them, seeing their family life and interactions, seeing their teammates and how they interact with them. Like that stuff is all 
uh, what really makes the story sing, in my opinion. And so the fortunate thing when you're dealing with high school athletes is that with the rare exception of maybe like a Zion Williamson, uh, they're pretty easy to get in touch with. They're pretty flattered to have a national reporter around them, and they do want to participate in the story. So that's where, um, you know, our interests kind of align really well and ends up being a really fun reporting environment, and it ends up, you know, producing a good story, or at least, you know, that's that's the most praise I'm willing to give one of my stories, a good story. <laughs> yeah, well, I can definitely, I was going to say, you can you can feel how you've, you've, you did a good job of building the character of Paige, not necessarily, like you said, following those interviews, like going going through lists of questions, but just in the few days that you did get to spend with her, you can tell like from outside perspectives, from friends, players, coaches, uh, family, uh, you, you really did a good job of developing her character without really necessarily having like front of face-to-face conversation with her, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, I had lots of, you know, time with her and I had lots of conversations with her, but again, you know, that's a choice that I'm making. And I talked to probably 20 or 30 people for that story and only, you know, three or four make quotes, but all of their perspectives helped me come to that big idea of what it's like to be paid right now at this time in your life. So, you know, it's just a good little tip for, you know, people who are reporting out there is that like, sometimes you do all these interviews and you feel bad that you don't end up quoting every single person that you talk to, but that's kind of the way it goes. And it all shapes up to make this more complete portrait of the person that you're writing about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so before we, or I have one more question uh, about the article itself, but I'm just going to pop a question in between. Did it ever sure. starting off when you, cause you obviously the way you do it, um, there are different styles, you know, like you said, yours is to just observe, be a fly on the wall. Did it ever make you uncomfortable starting out just like kind of watching them or did it ever make anyone else you were interviewing or writing a feature on uncomfortable just kind of being there? Um, I can't think of a time when it was, that's a good question. I'm, I'm guessing maybe there has been, I can't think of a time where I've really been, uh, you know, asked not to do anything or, you know, like, I don't think we ever like really weird people out or something like that, particularly like with big name athletes, they kind of know the score. Uh, you know, sometimes people have like, I've been at their houses and they've fallen asleep in front of me, just like hanging on the couch. Cause sometimes <laughs> I go long periods of time without asking questions and like, that's fine. And, you know, I wake up and I'm, you know, writing my notes or whatever, not to try not to be weird. I think that's the only time <laughs> where sometimes it feels like it's weird because that's mm-hmm. happened a couple of times. But it's also like in my school of thought, uh, in my like the way I came up as a reporter, that's like a sign of honor that like someone would be so comfortable that would they would fall asleep around you. And that's happened a few times. And every time it does, I kind of like am excited, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, I've developed this level of trust with someone. For the most part, I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing person. I'm not too bad to have around for a few days. So, you know, you don't get uh, too much trouble. And then you're just trying to have like a natural human interaction with people you're not just trying to like get xyz results and be a reporter and be a subject you're trying to just like be a human with them and experience life with them for a few days so it's normally like really comfortable really fun reporting environment for sure gotcha makes sense i mean yeah you don't i I mean we've only been talking for the last 10 minutes but you seem like a pretty cool guy like i i don't i don't know if i (laughs) I would nap i don't know if i would nap in front of you yet obviously but like Mm -hmm. who who knows but hopefully yeah just wait if we spend a couple of days together i just put people to sleep (laughs) i don't know if it's a compliment uh but uh, it does happen from time to time yeah maybe maybe it could be a bad thing i'm not really sure Uh, Mm -hmm. so specifically now i mean like you said you've done pieces on on guys that really before they they left on the scene um but now especially with today's social media age uh people are like like you said, Paige Beckers was, was pretty well known. Like she's got a, a pretty good following. How, what do you think is the biggest reason for this transition from like the biggest high school star I can remember obviously is like still talked about was LeBron when he was in high school, but now we see guys popping up all over the place. What do you think is the biggest reason for there being such an increase in this popularity at such a young age? I think it's just the overall increase in the sports popularity. And I think it has kind of been like a, funneling down so you know before it used to be like oh the nfl is the end all be all or the nba is the end all be all and then you know college basketball college football took a backseat but then there became this like in between space where people really started wanting to know more about the nba draft and the nfl draft and that has changed over the last you know few years for a long time it was just mel kuyper and nobody came to that nfl draft and now it's this huge three-day spectacle and it's on television and that speaks partly to like how sports popularity is peaking in the united states and around the world but it also speaks to 
I think there's this idea that people really like and what you like about sports is that like it kind of gives you hope that like things maybe they weren't great for this for your team this season but they're going to be next season and like here's the guy who's coming up right now in high school who's going to be the next who's going to be the LeBron who can come and win a sports championship for Cleveland for the first time in 50 years or who can be the Zion and go to this like you know this team in the Pelicans that didn't even have its own beat reporter. And now there are national reporters there every week watching him. And so it kind of gives you this idea of this like hope and this fun and this exciting, you know, view of what's next. And so I think that's part of the big reason that it's blown up. It's just that people are always wanting to know who's the next star, who's next. And social media, of course, has made it easier for people to build their own brands, you know, in high school and in college. Like maybe there's not enough of an audience for a high school sports, high school basketball television network showing high school basketball all the time. But certainly like there's enough for people like Overtime and Bleacher Report and ESPN to have basically entire channels dedicated to high school basketball and high school highlights. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the best example is Zion. Like we knew who he was by the age of 16, all the way through his time at Duke and now at the Pelicans, he's, he's grown uh, in, in a really big way. So we do this segment on the show. Um, it's basically called Starting Five. So I know we're a little bit into the podcast already, but I figure it, uh, it'll still work out okay. So we basically rank top five of pretty much anything. And so I figured I would incorporate you into that today, if you're okay with it. Now, these don't sure. have to be in any particular order, but can you give me your top five um, interviews or features that you've done and I will say you can leave a spot on the list for this one right now uh, if you want to it could make your top oh, five but yeah. like I you know obviously there's there's still more questions I have to ask so I don't want you to um, you know worry worry too much like if you do or, or, or don't 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 feel bad don't worry Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I will always struggle to rank like top fives or anything like that. So just definitely give yourself one off the top so that I only have to come up with four other ideas. All right. But I'm, um, put, I'm putting myself at number one, just so you know, yeah, I'm making the list right now. Fantastic. Yeah. You deserve it. You've earned it. This has been a very pleasant wow. experience so far. It's incredible. Uh, don't tank towards the end. Otherwise I'll have to come up with a fifth example. It's <laughs> um, a lot of pressure on me now. I'm a little, I'm a little concerned for how the, yeah. the back half of this interview is going to go. <laughs> yeah, to me, I would say um, the story that's maybe like most memorably in my mind that comes up that I think about a lot and a lot because the guy um, keeps in touch with me is Joe Thomas, who is a 55-year-old uh, football player who is trying to become a college football player. He had had this incredible story. He grew up the son of a sharecropper. His son went on to play in the NFL, but he felt like he never got a chance as a a high school football player to go on and play college football because he had to enter the workforce right away. So um, I wrote a story about him. It was a really, really interesting piece, and I felt like that was really great. Um, and he keeps in touch with me to this day. He just wrote a like children's book, like a motivational children's book, which oh, is awesome. Interesting. Um, uh, other ones that come to mind, there's going to be a lot. I mean, uh, I wrote a story about Derek Gordon and Daryl Gordon. Derek was the first openly gay player in Division I uh, athletics, and his brother had actually been uh, convicted for an attempted murder when he was in high school. They were twin brothers, and so it's this kind of interesting story about brothers being trapped in parallel kind of prisons, one a prison uh, of your own making, this personal prison, the other one this one because you've committed this crime, and mm. uh, Daryl didn't support Derek's decision to come out at first and had to come into it later and so like there was a lot of really interesting tension and dynamics in that story that I felt like um, turned out to be a pretty good feature um, since I've been in Bleacher Report you mentioned you know DeAndre Ayton I had a lot of fun with him Marvin Bagley had a lot of fun with him a couple of you know young up-and-coming basketball players I did a story on Donovan Mitchell that I liked and then um, maybe the one that's sticks with me the most is I wrote this story about a minor league baseball player named Bubba Derby. He's in the Milwaukee Brewers system and he's from California. And he was actually um, at the Route 91 uh, concert in Las Vegas. That was the deadliest mass shooting uh, in American history. Oh, wow. And um, I did a story about how he kind of came back to the mound. He's a pitcher from that experience and how his life changed uh, forever because of it. He saved two women's lives. Like when the gunshots started happening, he jumped on top of them and he like literally held them hand in hand uh, to strangers uh, as they were, as he was taking them to safety. So 
Uh, it's probably more than five. Those are just some ones that come off the top of my head, and I'm very sorry to Paige and other people that I'm not thinking of, you know, right now immediately, uh, who have been so generous as to share their time with me. Yeah, no, that I mean that's that's a decent list. Yeah, it was a little over five, but we I, I think I got it figured out. We trimmed it out to the to a solid five. <laughs> Um, I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, I have to. You take out the stories you don't like as much, and we'll make that up, the top five. <laughs> See, look, I have to warn you. You said, or I told you, there wasn't a big contingent in Minnesota, but this is, you know, this this uh, starting five is a pretty big, like, contentious debate. So you may you may yeah. have started something. Like, I don't. I'm. I can't protect you from that. I can protect you from Minnesota, but I can't protect you from fans of this list. Um, <laughs> so it. I have I have a feeling um, that I kind of know where this where this answers. Uh, where the answer is going to go based off of how you responded to your top five. But um, you've, you've covered such a variety of sports and such a variety of characters in sports. What gets you more excited, the sport itself or the story? That's a great question. Um, and it's definitely the story. Um, I mean, what I got into writing, I, I wanted first to be, you know, a poet, which is kind of funny to think about now. And I don't write a lot of poetry now. It was mostly just a ploy to try to get girls to like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, wanting to write fiction and stuff like that. So I come from the background of wanting to make sure um, that the story is really the most important thing and building up from there. So I am a sports fan. I do enjoy uh, everything about the games. I play games. I really love it. And so Um, that's a huge part of it. And I think one of the gifts of sports is that you can tell stories about all kinds of different things to an audience who's ready to listen to whatever you have to say about Peyton Manning or Paige Beckers or whoever it is in between. You can tell these stories about, you know, what it's like to about to see your life change or about hope or loss or grief or things like that. You have this really compelling, incredible audience. To me, the story is what counts more than the sports. Sports is this incredibly dramatic backdrop that makes every story more resonant, but it's not the end-all, be-all. The story is what you have to build out from. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's definitely a really good point. I didn't really didn't really think about it that way. Um, when I have athletes come on the podcast, normally one of my first questions is, um, like, you know, first, what got them into, into, um, sports. And you kind of answered that question here with the first question. But my second question is always, is there, uh, an athlete that you try to mirror your game after? So I'll ask that one to you. Is there, oh, an, is there a, a writer or a specific person that you look up to and try to mirror your game after? Is there someone, a writer? Yeah. Uh, there definitely is a writer. When you first say your game, I was like, are you talking about like, you know, Am I trying to be, you know, the next LeBron? Definitely not. Um, But uh, no, I would say if there's any one person who's influenced me more than any other, it would be Gary Smith, who was a senior writer at Sports Illustrated for about 30 years. Uh, He was known for doing the bonus stories, back of the magazine kind of stories. He wrote four stories a year. They were 8,000 words each. He won four National Magazine Awards. I think he was a finalist another 11 times, but I'd have to check, or maybe 11 times total. Um, but he is the guy who more than anyone else has influenced me the way that he connected with his subjects and just his ability to write. I mean, he's an absolute wizard with words and I look up to him more than anyone else. And I'm lucky to call him a mentor and a friend. And, um, I shout him out every time I can, because in addition to being the best writer, I think nonfiction writer, uh, of the last 50 years, he's also one of just the nicest people in the world. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, look, I can call you the LeBron of sports writing if you want. Like we can get I, that. I would gladly accept we can that. Start... Can you endorse me on my website or something? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That? I'll, yeah. What's your LinkedIn page? Let me let me give yeah, you a little. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, so I actually, since I know you, you said you like uh, finding especially some up and coming stories and that sort of thing. I've got a story to pitch to you. Um, it's a little okay. bit after the fact, but it did. Re- it happened. It, well, the story came to a conclusion. Um, a couple of days ago, but it's still like, is that okay if I if I bring this to you? Sure. Okay. So this story, well, this story, it can be up to you. Uh, okay. I'll I'll we'll see how what what you think of it, whether you want to do it as a team or um or a player. Me me specific focus because this is about my intramural basketball team. Okay. Okay. So small school, Walla Walla University in Walla Walla, Washington, which I mean, you can come out here if you like. It's there. There's more people I think than there there may be in Minnesota. So I got that going for us. Uh, sophomore business major with the podcast, me, just a normal guy, average guy, um, plays on Emerald basketball team. One of the best players goes down with an injury and the team finishes fifth on the season. They put together a historic run. They make a, uh, an appearance in the championship game. That simple guy drops 14 or 16 points. The record books, we don't really know. 
Um, but that, that point total can definitely increase when the magazine article comes out uh, on 50% okay. shooting and they lose by eight points. But here's, wow. here's, here's my thing uh, is, is that this is my angle is maybe the story isn't, you know, you have to get, be over here, you know, follow me around for a couple of days, uh, sure. watch me nap. Um, but maybe you'll learn that the story wasn't really about winning the championship, but it was about um, the, the journey, you know? That yeah, sort of thing. The friends we made along the way. Yeah, exactly. Like the, it wasn't ever. Yeah, the the real prize was coming together as a team and 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 enjoying and and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know. I think that you've really nailed it. I think that uh, I'll be there. You know, let me just get uh, my editors to sign off. Uh, but you know, there's nothing like there's nothing that they are more quick to say yes to than uh, some intramural basketball uh, stories. They just love. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's at the top. Basically, it was A-League intramural, so you can't really get much higher oh, than wow. that. Well, you it's, didn't mention that earlier. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Okay, I so it's a Serie A situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not with the scrubs down there. The no, no, no. This isn't this isn't B-League intramural. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, just send me, I mean, I can also, you know, just get me in touch with your editors. Like, I can pitch the story. We'll, we'll get you down here. Sure, maybe a first person. Like, actually, you know, let's put you on the Players' Tribune. You know, I think that would probably be. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want you to have to deal with that, actually. That's a great idea. Just get me in touch with them. I'll, I'll pen a piece from my own, uh, from my own experience. Uh, I, I like I that. You, I think you've got a banger on your hands right now. Thank you. I, well, I appreciate that. Now that, you've given, now that the LeBron James of writing, sports writing, has given me the seal of approval, I really think <laughs> we can run with it and make it special. Yeah. Okay, so we've got just a few minutes left here. I want to finish off on on one topic. So, yeah. and I'm not saying this just because you're on the podcast. I mean, it's great that you're on here, but you really are one of my favorite people on Twitter. One of my favorite followers. Oh, thank you. You can follow. Wait, let's. I want to make sure I get. Is it at by David Gardner? Is that your your Twitter handle? Yep. Okay. By David Gardner. G A R D N E R. Yeah. So one of my one of my favorite follows for sure, um, because you have me you have me laughing, but also learning. And it's a lot easier to learn when I'm already laughing, if that makes sense. Um, but one of the things, especially now that we've come into this election season, I'm not trying to make it about politics a ton, but you you have a really good way of doing that little laugh, learn, like one, two combo. Um, how do you how do you find that balance in getting your point across and and making sure your voice is heard without turning into like just a satire person or just a satire page on Twitter? Yeah, um, I mean, I think you still have to give people the content that they're mostly coming to your page for, which is sports. But I think that also, like, having a voice and having a personality is something that people want to experience with you. They come to their page not just for, like, maybe people only go to Woj's page for, like, NBA breaking news, and they'd be pissed if he, you know, started tweeting about his political opinions. But, like, for the most part, I have a more, much more niche audience. One of my biggest questions for you, though, has to be uh, the size of your drafts, because I'm, ass I'm assuming... Like you're a guy that tweets pretty regularly. Yeah. Do you have a decent sized drafts in, on Twitter? Uh, I definitely have a lot of drafts. Um, you know, there used to be that joke, you know, among friends, like, you know, delete my, you know, throw my computer in the trash or delete my browser history. If I die, mm -hmm. I have a longstanding joke uh, among my friends to come and delete my Twitter drafts. Because like, if you think some of the stuff that I tweet out now is controversial, you should see some of the stuff that I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is the right thing to say. <laughs> do we wait? Can we uh, do, do you mind sharing like picking and choosing maybe one or two, like maybe some of the well, some of the safer ones or? or Sure, I'll open it up. I, I mean, there are some that, in, that are in there are just, like, stupid, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, all right, let's see, let's open up. Some are, like, controversial. Okay. I won't read that. Yeah, some let's... are half-baked thoughts. Um, and then some are things that I'm, like, trying to figure out. So, like, one is um, I went back and looked, and John Madden made $5 million a year on Monday Night Football in 2002, and then there was the rumor that, you know, Peyton Manning was going to make $18 million. That's what they were offering him. Mm -hmm. So I calculated that was a 260% increase, and I wanted to compare it to, like, the top quarterback then versus the top quarterback now. Turns out that that was, like, a 390% increase. So I was like, is that worth tweeting? Do people really care? <laughs> so that's, like, kind of, like, I found it somewhat interesting, you know, that broadcaster salaries are almost keeping pace with, in percentage increase terms with mm -hmm. player salaries, but I probably won't send anything out about that. And then there's like stupid thoughts. Like um, I saw an ad for a Wendy's to have breakfast now. Mm -hmm. And one of them was a breakfast baconator. So I was like, I can't believe these madmen at Wendy's made a breakfast baconator for mornings when you really hate yourself. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then there are some things that like, I thought about like quote tweeting 
uh, like Judge Judy was retiring, and I said Judge Judy, we must assume, is retiring to ready herself for her impending nomination to the Supreme Court, but uh, <laughs> I didn't end up tweeting that one. I've actually made more than one Judge Judy is going to be Trump's next appointee joke, so I figured I was just like retreating on covered territory already. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you know that's just an example. There's just a couple things like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's smart. I mean, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to get ratioed as like a like for Judge Judy of, of all people at that point. You know, that's not that's not. I'm the only going to be ratioed for Judge Judy. Oh, but otherwise, okay. yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get that though. The first one when you're talking about like um, analytics, especially like if I go out and try to build some on my own, and like, huh, this yeah. is like an interesting trend. Like, let me follow this, see where it goes. And then it right. turns out that it's a really basic thing or like it's nothing special. And it's like, well, that's 15 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. So, yeah. But, you know, when you're a features writer like I am, you go through sometimes multi-day reporting processes where you end up in the end deciding that the story isn't worth pursuing. So, like, you know, 10 minutes on a Internet percentage calculator <laughs> isn't that big of a deal. Oh, man. So basically what you're saying is what I what I get upset about is your half of your entire job. Uh, yes, exactly. Man. You end up you end up losing a lot more than you gain. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, you've got a nice full time gig. I mean, I'm just like, for me, it's like <laughs> that's just my grades are suffering because of it. If I don't, you know, that's just a distraction <laughs> from homework. Um, it's just my personal life that suffers at this point. <laughs> uh, okay, so the NFL Combine just finished up, and I'm not gonna ask you to like give us your big board of like who you think's gonna be drafted or or anything like that. But I want to yeah. know. Uh, vertical 40 yard dash what are your estimates what could you what could you do oh geez uh i don't even know what's a good vertical take 50 percent of what a good vertical is okay i'm six foot three and i can barely dunk well let me take that back i could barely dunk it's been a while since i tried to dunk so that gift might have left me by now wow there's a lot more similarities between us than i thought because i'm six two and i can also almost dunk i don't know if that affects I don't wait, 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 you said almost dunk. I said barely dunk. I've put one in. I've put many in. Okay. In a live game, I've dunked the ball. Okay, so here's the thing. It depends on your definition of dunked, okay? Because yeah. I the my hand and ball go above the rim. I mm-hmm. get the rim, and the ball goes in the basket. But it's like, does that does that count as a dunk or like That's I? That's more of a flush than a dunk. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I can, yeah. I can flush it down with the best of them in layup lines, never in game. I've thought about it. I've dreamed about just like driving in the lane and my first dunk being a poster over somebody, but I understand how yeah. unrealistic that is. Like I, I do, the only I do time get that. I've ever, I only dunked once in a game, although I did in my driveway a lot, but like I only dunked once in a game and it was when I had a fast break and there was nobody like even trying to come back on defense. That was my only chance and I took advantage of it. And even then it was probably what you'd call a squeaker. I mean, look, it still counts. That's that would be yeah. that's like this greatest moment ever in in my mind, and, at least. And then, in terms of forty time, I would say that uh, you know I joked the other day because you know there was a, almost a new record set at the combine this time for the mm-hmm. Alabama receiver, and I said uh, if I ran a forty right now, you'd have to measure it on a calendar instead of a clock, and I stand by that. I do. I do remember that tweet. I'm pretty sure I liked that one because that was I really felt that. I mean. If, well, I appreciate you dropping in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so let's okay. So we'll we'll estimate probably like a 20, 20 Let's let's give you twenty five inch vertical because forty is really good. Yeah. But if you can dunk in your six okay. three, like we'll give you twenty five. Yeah, let's just do like yeah. What's the minus? Like you know how tall do my hands go up? Probably yeah. like you know seven inches. Uh, you know from my or from the top of my head. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's my standing reach? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can touch the net standing. So. Probably or not standing, but I can like jump minorly. Yeah. That. So I'm probably like 20 inches would be uh, great for me. Uh, yeah. For a vertical leap. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. We're gonna need a lot longer than half an hour to figure out um, what that would be if you're asking me to for do sure. to run the math on it. So for just sure. for sake of of time for everyone yeah. involved, really, let's. Well, yeah, we'll go. We'll go 20, 25, because you know we. Okay. You know we we like you on the podcast, so we'll give you a nice. I booster. appreciate the extra inches. And then for 40, let's say let's just say. Right inside seven seconds or seven, yeah, okay, seven great. seconds, yeah, like six, six, nine, or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, I love it. Yeah. So there you go. Those are those are your measurables. Glad we could figure that out. And I you did. It. Yeah, absolutely. We got to give you got to give you some love. Uh, before we let you go, just want to talk a little bit of March Madness because it technically yeah, is March, and we're we're getting into uh, we're getting into the exciting t- one of the best times in sports. I mean, some people debate. I say it's October's probably a better month for sports just because you get them all. But nothing yeah. beats those first two days of tournament play. 
um, at least in my mind. Oh, 100%. I think it's the best sporting time of the year, without a doubt. Uh, my favorite, I think I've said from the beginning that the best American postseason in all of sports is the NCAA tournament. There's just nothing as exciting as that. Yeah, you really get everything all in one day. So first off, I'm a, I'm a UNC fan. I was born in North Carolina, okay. so um, I mean, not a not a bad, but I would never root for Duke. I mean, obviously. I What's your cookout milkshake? Excuse me? <laughs> What's your cookout milkshake? My cookout, I've... I've never been asked that question before. Cookout milkshake? Yeah, have you been to have you been to a cookout in North Carolina? It's like the North Carolina fast food restaurant. Oh, cookout? I look. I got to be honest with you. I lived there for the first six years of my life, so it's more of like oh, okay. It's I more of you. like a I like I claim North Carolina more than I remember being there. Gotcha. So I'm I'm sorry. Well, mint Oreo next time you're there, and okay. continue with your college basketball. Okay, question. I mean I do I do like mint Oreo, so I will definitely try that out. Um. But right now, North Carolina sits at 13 and 17 on the season. Not not the best year so far, obviously. Uh, suffered some injuries. But don't look now, but they're starting to get hot. If you had to put a percentage chance on UNC making a run in the ACC, maybe getting to 500 and making the tournament, what, what would you give uh, North Carolina and North Carolina fans? What would you give us percentage-wise? Three and a half percent? Very low. I'm not very confident in North Carolina making the tournament. You have to hinge your head, your bet not only on them going forward and winning out, basically maybe even needing to win the ACC tournament, which I think is it, but then also the selection committee really taking into account how much Cole Anthony's injury had an effect on the team and like them being asked to say that, okay, this team was bad at the beginning, but it's now hot or peaking at the right time. Uh, I don't know. I, low chances, low chances. Not, you know, Elizabeth Warren has just dropped out, so no <laughs> chance, but like maybe Bernie versus Biden at this point are oh. your chances. Or or maybe like Tulsi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That exactly. may be, that I'm may. Slightly above Tulsi. <laughs> yes, that's what I, I mean. I, I I think I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, this, this year has turned into one of like the craziest, uh, most upsets. Like, you know, you see the stat, stat after stat. And it's hard to know really who to trust out of like everybody in college basketball. Are there a few teams that like when the brackets come out and you fill yours, uh, that you fill yours out that you're like, you know what? Here's three teams that I know will at least get to the Elite Eight. Oh, yeah. The Elite Eight is tough. But I think in this year, you do have a lot of topsy-turviness, but some teams that I would be really surprised not to make it to the second weekend. I mean, Kansas comes to mind. I think wire to wire, they've probably been the number one team in the country. They've got great experience coaching and, uh, you know, among their players. Gonzaga is another team like that. I think Mark used record over the past several seasons, not just his entire history, but it, the past several seasons in the NCAA tournament especially speaks for itself. Um, San Diego State, I think, is having a fantastic year. Florida State, you know, Leonard Hamilton has done such a remarkable job with that program. That would be a team that I would be surprised not to see uh, making it to the Elite Eight. After that, it gets kind of tricky because it's like, okay, do you trust a team like Michigan State, which has choked up some pretty bad losses, but also has won at Seton Hall, they've won at Maryland, they've won at Penn State, or do you go with like a team like Villanova, which has, you know, the great coaching pedigree too, and they've beaten Kansas at home, they've won on the road against Creighton, they've won on the road at Seton Hall, you know, uh, you're in some pretty tricky, dicey territory, or do you go on, like, talent alone, and do you say, like, okay, Kentucky's finally figured it out, and they've got some good wins on, you know, their resume, too, so I think it gets a little tricky to pick more than, like, four teams that you'd be confident in in the Elite Eight, but that's going to make the NCAA tournament even more exciting. Yeah, definitely, I mean, yeah, the only thing it'll lead to is more ratings, more upsets, and just an overall better time in March and early into April. Uh, oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be a phenomenal tournament. Yeah, 100%. Uh, before we let you go, two things. Just give me a couple teams that you say no to that we shouldn't be trusting that could be like first or second round upsets, and then uh, your national champion, and then and then we'll call it good. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so one team, I'm going to take probably a ton of heat for saying this because – they're on paper a really strong team, and I think I'd have to go look on Ken Palm right now, but the last time I checked, they were in the top five, but I'm not convinced that Baylor is yep. going to uh, be the team that Good. does it. Uh, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out. I'd be surprised to see them lose in the first round, obviously, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them not advance uh, to the second weekend. I think that they 
Um, you know, their inside game isn't tremendous. They're relying a lot on threes, and so that's something that you look at. And they have a phenomenal defense that does tend to travel, but, you know, who knows when you might end up in a matchup a la Virginia UMBC a couple years ago where your opponent is just shooting the lights out of the gym. Add into that that, uh, you know, their coach has a history of some March Madness upsets, and uh, I think you have the formula for a potential upset there somewhat early in the tournament, although, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a nice little run either. And then for my national champion, if I had to pick today, I would say that Kansas is the strongest team in the country. I trust Bill Self when it comes to the tournament, despite him also, you know, having lost some uh, uh, pretty upsetting March Madness games. Mm -hmm. Um, This would be, you know, the fourth time that they're going to be the number one overall seed, and uh, it just speaks to the strength of that program. I think that they're the team to beat heading into it. The other team that I feel really confident about making to the Final Four is Dayton. I think that they've got a great upperclassman-heavy team. I think they've got Obi Toppin, who may be the best player in the NCAA tournament, hands down, and they've gone to some competitive environments, and they've proven that they can win. Yeah, definitely. I'm with you 100% on Baylor. That, uh, 52-45 52-45 game against Texas was like the last straw for me where I was like, you Absolutely. know what, maybe these guys yeah. are these guys could get in trouble when they play like some decent competition. Uh, but Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's all the time we've got. Thank you so much David for coming on. I mean, this is this is a great time. I mean, it's good news for me cuz now I'm probably going to have an article published in Player Tribune probably. Fantastic. Um, yep. and, and yeah, and we got to talk we got to talk a little bit. It's been great. Uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and uh, looking forward to talking more. Will do. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on in the future. All right. We now welcome on Derek Vickers, former wide receiver out of Utah. Derek, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, so first off, I have to start at the beginning. That's where all, all the good stories start. Uh, when did you first fall in love with the sport of football? Um. Well, at first, football first came up came playing in my life when I was like seven years old. My cousin had came home one day from uh, from school, and I was at my grandma's house. He was like, hey, man, he was like, look, cousin, he was like, have you ever thought about playing football? And I was like, I mean, I haven't really thought nothing about it. Like, I mean, I've seen, seen like, I've watched football before, but I don't really know nothing, nothing about it. But I was like, I'll try it. And um, after that, I mean, the next day he took me out to the practice for his um because he was in high school already and they had a like a little golden empire team called central so he took me out there had my first day of practice and bonded with a couple of my teammates and then after that i mean it was just all football from there that's awesome was there were there guys that you like did you watch a lot of nfl or, or college were there guys that you uh kind of admired or tried to model your game after um I mean, as I as I start getting used to used to football and actually like knowing more about it, and I start watching it, I mean, like once I got into like high school and JUCO and whatnot, I, I started to watch like DeAnthony Thomas and Tavon Austin, and I mean, it kind of kind of clicked to me that like I'm kind of more like Tavon Austin. I play like him, mm-hmm. like in, in such a sort. Like I mean, I can I mean. I'm very versatile at the end of the day. Like, I mean, I could I could play anywhere on the offense. So, I mean, those those are really the two dudes that I really like looked up to like growing up, just with their play style and how they go about playing the game of football. Yeah, and and in high school, you you showed that you put that on display. Uh, you got you were honored for playing both offense and defense. Uh, yeah. Do you have like a specific favorite position? Because I know, like you said, you're kind of a weapon, a, a jack of all trades here. But is there one that you kind of prefer over other spots? I mean, I, I love playing in a slot position. I love playing wide, uh, wide out. I mean, but when it comes to me being like my most comfortable, I, I would say, I mean, I, I want to go back to my roots. I mean, which is running back. I mean, I like being in the backfield. You know, I mean, I love being, I love being in the trenches. So. I mean, that's one thing I really would want to go back to. But, I mean, I'll definitely, I'll definitely love playing in the slot, though. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's out in the open. It really could. You, know, so you, you, could, you can really do a lot of things in the slot position. Yeah, so I also saw when, when looking up a little bit about you that you actually won um, in high school a South Area Championship in the 110 hurdles. Uh, yes, sir. So, so 
I'm not, I wouldn't say the best part of my game in really any sport is speed. All right. So just to give you like an idea of, of me, I'm, I'm 6'10", 180. Like once I get going, uh, you know, we're, we're good, but the acceleration is, uh, on the lower end of the scale here. So if you had to, if you had to estimate, uh, if we race in a 40 yard dash, how, how much of a head start would I need to at least, uh, like keep pace with you? What, what would you give me? Uh, I, I at least give you like, like a cool, like, I would say like eight to 10, just because you said, you don't, you don't, you don't pick up speed or acceleration is not as fast. So, cause I mean, me personally, I mean, my acceleration is faster than like my, like I'm, I'm fast because of how fast I accelerate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I will say my, I appreciate that first off. Thank you for only saying eight to 10. Like I was, I wasn't really sure. Uh, you know, if you give me like 15 or 20, I was like, oh man, that's not a good look for me, but, uh, oh, no, I'm, I'm not that disrespectful, man. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, I knew there was something about you that I liked. That was, that's good. I, I appreciate that. Um, so in high school, you, like I said, you had a really good career, um, all over the field and you played in the U S army all-star bowl. Um, but no, did you have D one offers? Cause you, you eventually went Juco played in, in Bakersfield was, Staying local was that something like more of a choice you made, or were there were there not scouts coming out and and offering? Well, we had we had scouts. I mean, I was I was talking to I was um, talking to University of Washington out of high school. I okay. was supposed to go there, but I mean, I didn't really have the drive in in the classroom in high school. Like, I mean, I didn't really know what was going to happen after high school. I mm-hmm. mean, I didn't really like. I didn't really take school serious. It was just like, so I'm playing football. I'm happy. Like, it is what it is. Like, I'm not really worried about anything. So, I mean, I didn't really lock in, like, with school and whatnot until I got into JUCO when I finally realized I could really go somewhere in football. What What do you think made that switch? Like, was there a specific, like, moment or instant that you realized, oh, look, I got to focus on studies, or what, what was that point for you? Um... When I when I found out that I was having a kid, that's that's when I that's when it finally clicked to me. I finally realized like I gotta get my head I gotta get my head straight. I gotta I gotta get my head in the game if I really wanna do this and succeed at this level and just take steps forward to try to make it to the big stage, which is the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, once you got it going in JUCO, a lot of offers started to pour and I mean looking at your uh twenty four seven page, Colorado State, Utah State, Texas A and M uh, in Utah, what, what eventually, well, first off, how did it, how did it feel to be like having these, like, there's some pretty good schools here. I mean, obviously like this year in the draft, Jordan Love went to Utah, Utah state, uh, Texas A&M, Utah, like Utah had a great year this year. What was it like to make an impression on some really good schools? Um, it felt amazing. I mean, I, I finally started to feel like I was wanted somewhere. Like, I mean, like I was actually good at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause at first, I mean, I wasn't really, I wasn't really like getting the exposure and whatnot of, I wasn't getting exposure. I wasn't like really talked about with like football and whatnot. So I just didn't know, I don't know. I just didn't know where I was going to go with football. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they, they started pouring in and then I just, I was excited. I was happy. I was like, dang. Like, it's finally going to happen. So once it happened, I just started training my butt off, and soon it just kept kept, just kept going up from there. Yeah, and what what made you pull the trigger on Utah? I mean, obviously there's uh, a lot to offer at some of these other schools, but what made you lock in, especially coming from uh, coming from California, Utah is a bit of a different uh, a different culture there. What, what made you pull the trigger? Well, it's definitely – when I went on my visit, it was definitely a culture shock. I mean – it was definitely different. Didn't know how it was going to be once I got there. But, I mean, once they – because they offered me on signing day. But they had been talking to me, like, throughout the midseason of my last year in JUCO. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, once they pulled it – like, I had talked to them, like, midseason. And after that, I didn't talk to them for the rest of the season. And then once signing day came – I got a call from the receiver coach and they offered me right there. And then they brought me on a visit that same weekend. And then, um, I I was still scheduling my other visits and whatnot, 
But once I went on to the Utah visit, I was like, shoot, I mean, there's really no point of me going anywhere else. I mm-hmm. mean, like, because I fell in love with the people there. Like, they were, everybody was nice. Everybody was like, just made you feel like you were at home. And then I, that's what I really fell in love with. And then my, the teammates that I had, like, when I went on my visit, they felt they made me feel the same way. So, I mean, it was just like I was at home. So I was just like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see myself here. And then that's why I really just pulled the trigger so fast. Because, I mean, I, I, I signed there, like, probably a week after they offered me. Oh, wow. Yeah. But that's just because I felt at home. Even though there was other schools coming in still. Like, there were schools that were going to pull the trigger, but I signed. So then they were just like, there's no point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And- I mean, yeah, it was Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, it was just like how love, like the love I felt once I was there. I mean, that's what really made me pull the trigger and go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you played with a lot of really talented guys and a lot of guys that are pretty highly rated uh, coming out of this year's draft. I wanted to ask you, talk to you a little bit, give you a chance to uh, be the analyst here with this draft. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple names of a couple of your teammates. Just talk to me about some of their traits, the things that they really excel at, and why they'll be difference makers at uh, the NFL level. Okay. So first off, your quarterback, Tyler Huntley. Talk to me a little bit about him. Tyler, he's like, I mean, he, he's going to put the ball in, in a spot where you can get it. I mean, he has his ups and downs, but... Overall, like he's a he's a playmaker. He knows what he's doing behind center. He makes great reads, and I feel like once he gets, once somebody gives him an opportunity in the league, he's really going to take advantage of it because he knows he's not. A lot of people probably think he's all about running the ball. Mm-hmm. He could sit in the pocket and throw the ball. Like yeah, he will sit there. I mean, and a lot of his film from this year, from from us getting a um a different offensive coordinator, showed that. Oh, see, he wanted him to be in the pocket and sit there and throw the ball. So, I mean, I feel like once somebody gives him an opportunity out there, he's he's really going to excel and do big things at the next level. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've seen that with quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, guys that can really make plays. And it's really shown a transition of, of talent from from one one era to the other. Like, it's, it's no longer about being able to stand in the pocket and – dissect the defense uh you know with with your eyes but it's being able to extend plays with your legs uh next, next guy up uh running back zach moss zach moss honestly he's he, he's somebody different i mean he, he's built different he's an animal i mean he's probably he's he's honestly probably the best person i've ever played with in my life honestly um the dude is just like he he's he's just unreal to me like there's a certain plays that he makes on his feet that a lot of people can't make. Like mm-hmm. as far as probably like breaking like four or five tackles and just break it for 70. Like he did that stuff on a regular. And I mean, I wasn't used to seeing like a running back that really does stuff like that. Besides like when I was in Juco, I, mean, I did like similar things, but it wasn't, it wasn't nothing to compare to Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't wait to see what he does when he gets there because, I mean, like, I've heard he's going to be the next beast mode, and I really could see that. Yeah. Because he's really, he's really legit. He's a really, really legit back. He knows what he's doing behind there uh, in the backfield, so. Yeah, no, he's he's built different for sure. I remember uh, one of my favorite runs was that one uh, in the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon when it looked like he just got closed up at the line. And then just cut it left, and it was like shook a couple tackles, and he was gone. Like it was uh, just a great run by him. Uh, another next guy, somebody you lined up with. I'm assuming in practice a lot, which gave you a lot of experience. Uh, you know, for this next level jump, Jalen Johnson, cornerback. Jalen Johnson. I mean, I remember. I remember seeing him in high school. I mean, and the dude was. I mean, he's been the same since high school. He's 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 aggressive. He, I mean, his footwork is amazing. He's hands on. And, I mean, like, I really can't wait to see what he's going to do because there's, I feel like there's not a lot of corners like him. I mean, he has a feet, he has a size, and he's really physical. So, Jalen, he, he's going he's gonna to really do some big things at the next level. He, he's a great, great player, great dude. He's smart. He knows how to read defenses. I mean, offenses, he, like, he, he knows where – 
he knows where the ball is going before it even goes there. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, like, yeah, a lot of talent. Uh, next question for you. Did you ever feel um, like, was it hard to really carve out a role for yourself when you're playing on a team with a lot of these stars and a lot of like NFL, like top level guys? Um, Playing there, I mean, it basically just taught me I need to, I got to, I got to basically just play my role and I mean, take advantage of the opportunities that I got. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's really all it was. I mean, playing amongst all these great players at Utah, it was like, shoot, I mean, I don't need the ball. I mean, we gonna, I mean, I just want to win. So, yeah. I mean, that's really it came down to once it was all said and done. It was like, I mean, I had too many great players. I mean, I mean, yeah, I wanted to touch the ball and do a lot of things and so showcasing what I could do, but. So, I mean, we had way too many athletes for just one person to showcase that. So, I mean, I was fine with where I was at. Yeah, and and during this process, I mean, obviously, um, you didn't receive an invite to the Combine, but we've seen countless players bring, uh, uh, bring a, a full career in the NFL out of something, uh, you know, not being able to maybe get a lot of love pre-draft, but make a role for themselves later. Uh, what is your game plan here in these next few months to prove that, you really can be a difference maker at the next level. I mean, I just want to go into my pro day and, I mean, really just run. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my main focus right now. I mean, yeah, like vertical and broad jump is nice, but I mean, if I go out there and bust out a, a, a four three six or lower, I mean, I'm definitely gonna get a shot. So, I mean, that's really my main focus. I mean, I'm just trying to go run fast and show them that I'm explosive. And soon the talent will showcase later once I get the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you received a fifth year um, extension to play at Utah for this season or this past season. So what did how did you feel like you grew maybe on the field, but also just as a person at Utah this past season? I mean, honestly, I thought I was gonna give up. Mm-hmm. I really did. Like, I didn't like 2017. Once I got there, I mean. Just not not being used to sitting and watching the game. I was so used to just playing and doing my thing. It was like it was it was kind of a shock to me. So I didn't really know how it was gonna play out. But once I mean, once my second season came, spring ball came, and I mean I was performing how I was. I mean I wasn't. I was I was thinking uh, I had really really big expectations for the for, uh, 2018-2019 season. Yeah, and I mean, you you made the most of your role, definitely, no question about that. But I think the most impressive thing, um, from what from my standpoint, just looking into uh, what you've accomplished, is you graduated with a sociology degree. How yes, sir. how important? Well, first off, yeah, congratulations on that. I mean, that's that's a, a really big deal to basically earn an education on on uh, on the school's dime while getting to play football at the same time. How important was it for you to get that education? Um. I mean, it was it was really important because football is not forever. I mm-hmm. mean, and that goes for everybody. It's, I mean, you're not going to be playing football for your whole life. I mean, most of the time, you'll probably only play in the league for about one to two years. Like, I mean, even you, you get hurt in one like your first year. I mean, it's not promised. So, I mean, I feel like me getting a degree was best because I mean, I can do I can, I can really be successful after playing football as well with my degree. Mm-hmm. And you said at the beginning of the podcast that you are a father, uh, Derek yes, Vickers sir. Jr. So two yes, questions sir. there. What has being a dad taught you uh, that helps you on the football field? And second off, what does it mean to to you to name your kid after yourself, to be Derek Vickers Sr.? Which I, I, I'm sorry, I should have I addressed you with that at the beginning of the podcast. But yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, I've always, like growing up, I've always wanted – my first child, if it was a boy, to be named after me. I don't know why. It was just a thing that I wanted. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for – what was the second question? Uh, what is what is being a dad uh, – how does that help you on the football field? Like, what, what edge does it give you or what lesson have you learned? I mean, it keeps me driven. I mean, it, it keeps me wanting to get better every day. I mean, because at the end of the day, I'm really – I'm doing all of this for him. Mm-hmm. So – I mean, I, I mean, it just keep, it keeps my drive going. It keeps me wanting to get better every day. Yeah. At the end of the day, what does a successful career in football look like for you? Um, 
I would say probably like two, three years in the league or, I mean, wherever, any league. I mean, XFL, CFL, NFL, anything. I mean, just, I would say like two, three years. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, a year is successful, honestly. Yeah. Just getting the opportunity. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like two, three years, I mean, that's cool with me, honestly. Yeah, so do you have, do you have plans for your, a degree like how are you going to put that into use once you decide to call it quits in football i mean well i love kids and um i want to i want to be a counselor for juveniles okay so i want to i mean i, I want to get to the kids i mean yeah they'll be messing up but i want to get them while they're young mm. and just help them get their hair right so they could go on and be successful in life and not be in the streets or doing drugs or anything like in gangs and none of that. I just want to catch them before that and help them live their life and be successful. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so now that we've gotten a handle on you as, uh, as a football player, I want to get to know you a little bit off the field. So we're, I want to play a game with you. It's the first time playing it on the podcast actually. So we're going to try it out. So it's games called tag trade sign. So, you know, kind of has something to do with the NFL free agency coming up. Uh, it's similar to the Mary kill date, for lack of a better term, uh, that game where I'll give you three options and you can uh, tag one or trade, excuse me, trade one, one that you're like, ah, that your least favorite, like don't really need it. Tag the second one. It's like, okay, maybe we'll, you know, decent second option and then sign uh, your favorite. Okay. Sound good? All right. So you, for, said, you said tag, sign, and what's the third one? Tag, trade, sign. So tag would be least. Trade yeah, or, or trade is trade is least tag is middle and sign is uh, your favorite. Okay, so first off, we got three quarterbacks for you: Dak Prescott, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, between those three, I'm I'm, I'm gonna uh, go ahead and I'm gonna sign Dak. Okay. And you said Teddy Bridgewater and who? Jameis Winston. I'll go trade on Winston. Okay. So you're going to tag Teddy? Yeah, I'll tag Teddy. Okay. Okay, sounds good. All right, now let's move off the football field here. Uh, Workouts. Legs, arms, and chest. I'm signing legs for sure. I love I love to hear that I I really do I'm I'm 100% legs with you I'm I'm all the way there, all the way there and um you said chest and arms yeah chest and arms are the last two I'll go dang that's a hard one <laughs> I can't make them easy for you come on I gotta make you I gotta make you think a little bit. Okay. I'll trade arms. Okay. So you tag, tag, tag chest. chest. Okay. Okay. And finally, snack foods. Cheez Its, Oreos, Doritos. I'm signing Doritos. All right. Okay. I like it. Uh, I'll trade Oreos and then I'll tag the Cheez Its. All right. Sounds good. I mean, this, you're on the, uh, you're on the inaugural. A beginning of this game here so we'll, we'll have to see how it shapes out but uh th- thanks for thanks for doing that uh, no problem. a few more questions here do you have any nicknames are there any nicknames you picked up whether in high school or juco or at utah and do you have a favorite maybe one that you're not really a big fan of um uh, i mean there's really no nicknames i mean i've had a couple people like in juco they used to call me uh the professor okay I mean, but it was like I mean, I didn't really hear it much. Well, they used to say it on the intercom, but I mean, I was always locked in. I used to just hear it on the, like the broadcast of me watching film or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've heard Showtime a couple times, but those, I mean, out of those two, those are probably the only two that I've I mean, heard people call me or just like, yeah, just come at me and call me those those two okay i mean not bad honestly showtime and the the professor those are some pretty good nicknames honestly yeah, those uh, are pretty dope. how about how about any video games you big video game guy uh i play fortnite on a daily honestly if i'm not training i'm playing fortnite 
Interesting. Okay. Well, look, I, not to brag, in my Fortnite career, one solo victory. I don't play it a ton, but if you're looking, if you want to carry somebody, like just shoot me a text. Like we'll we'll hop on and we'll play. Hey, we can we can we can we can hop on anytime for sure. Yeah. Well, de- let's definitely set something up then. Uh, but I have to warn you, you will be a lot better than I am. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not that good as well. I mean, I just like playing the game. I mean, I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. <laughs> Fortnite has been out for a little while, but I didn't really start playing it until like the probably like the end of the first season, maybe the oh, start okay. of the second season. So, I mean, okay, well, well, that's good. That's good. Then we can we can figure it out together. Then for sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Derek. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time to to be interviewed. Thank you for interviewing me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll be on the lookout. We'll be rooting for you your pro day. Um, and throughout your, your football career, wherever that takes you, uh, I know you're going to do some really awesome stuff. And Appreciate we'll be on the lookout. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Now, as promised, we're going to talk a little bit of updated news here on the show. First off, some – well, we're, I'm recording this on Friday, so it's relative, but some breaking news. Joakim Noah signed a deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. I think that's a fantastic move for them. It gives them another big presence to come off the bench. I mean, ideally – if you can play five to ten minutes a game, uh, give Montrezl Harrell a break, give Zubak a break, and just go out there and play defense, like that's perfect. He's a guy that doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to score. Like he's perfectly content with zero points, five rebounds, three blocks, and just an overall strong defensive presence. Another great pickup by the Clippers, but like we said last week, the biggest issue for them isn't going to be getting these players because they've got the talent to win the title right now, but it's putting all the pieces together that will eventually lead to them winning uh, the title. But, you know, from a chemistry standpoint, things have to fit into place, um, and that, that'll be the biggest issue. And at the beginning of the show, I leaned into it, I let in. I was pretty, pretty pleased with myself, gave a nice little teaser at the beginning, but I said one team has been winning the NFL offseason before it even began, and that team is the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers signed Austin Eckler, Gave him a nice four-year deal for about $25 million. The report came out that Melvin Gordon uh, would be leaving the team to explore his options in free agency, which is great for them. I mean, Eckler provides great value. They're obviously going to need another running back, uh, but maybe Justin Jackson can fill that role. Uh, but Melvin Gordon's on to greener pastures. They made a trade. They sent Russell Okung for Trey Turner. But the biggest move, I think, of all uh, that people aren't talking about is a huge win for them is letting Phillip Rivers go. I mean, realizing that, hey, things probably aren't going to work out. He's going to want a lot of money. And he caused a lot of damage to them I'm over over this past season, throwing, I think it was close to 20 interceptions. Um, and, and where he goes is a mystery. But I think they feel secure in either Tyrod Taylor, somebody in the draft, or maybe someone in free agency, maybe Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, and they're looking really good. I mean, they're in a, per- a perfect spot to get a tackle. With rumors that the Giants are leaning towards Isaiah Simmons, they maybe have the best chance at the number one guy off the board uh, there at, at, at six. And another question, uh, one that we won't have answered until the 15th or maybe longer, is where Philip Rivers signs. Now, I was listening to, I believe it was the Stick to Football podcast. They were talking about, uh, Matt Miller was saying, look, this isn't a move that Chris Ballard and the Colts would make in signing Philip Rivers. You have to look at his past history. And unfortunately, I think this is exactly the kind of move they would make. I mean, you look at guys like Devin Funches, uh, Eric Ebron, Justin Houston, guys that have had a bit of a rough go recently. They signed him to a small prove-it prove deal and, and see where they go from there. And some worked out, some remain to be seen. Obviously, Ebron's moving on, but he gave us some great production. Devin Funches broke his, his collarbone or broke his clavicle first week of the season. Uh, and Justin Houston had a fantastic year rushing the passer. But this seems right up the Colts' alley, and if they do, you have to go Jordan Love. I think, or Jordan Love, Justin Justin Herbert, whichever one is available, but it just seems like you can't... uh, I mean, I don't like it. I want to say it on record. I'm not the biggest Phillip Rivers fan. I think the team's in place, and we can win, and we can be pretty successful, but I don't think we need Phillip Rivers. You know, draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. They're loaded with talent. Uh, and give him give him guys to throw the ball, and then let's go from there. I think Jacoby Brissett, a lot of what happened was he's not a creator on his own. I mean, you need to provide him with talent, which is true for 
25 out of the 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Most of them can't and wouldn't have had that good of a season uh, throwing to the type of guys that, that Jacoby Brissett was this season. A lot of this news is still moving, developing. Uh, next week on the show, hopefully we can talk a little bit more about the draft, some pending free agent moves, and then eventually, uh, as we move on through March, we'll, we'll get into where teams have actually gone in free agency, who they've actually signed, where players have, have changed, what players have stayed, and we'll get into March Madness. I mean, this right now is we're in a time where we're going to have a lot of interviews, a lot of guys coming on, hopefully some some NFL prospects, which I'm really excited about, and also a lot of analysts because we have a lot to unpack. Things are going to move fast in these next month and a half, and then it, it might get a little might get a little bit of a dead time, but we're going to keep the interviews going, we're going to keep the information flowing, and we're going to have a lot of fun even if there's not a lot of sports going on at the moment. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.